In today's show, we're talking Phoenix Suns with the host of the Locked On Suns podcast, Brendan Clean. Michael Bolton is also here. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are getting towards the end of the season preview series. We've got four teams left. Yeah, four teams left to go. Phoenix today, Toronto and Washington and Golden State coming up throughout the week, but we're going to talk Phoenix Suns today. We're going to do that with the help of the Locked On Suns podcast host, Brendan Clean. So let's uh, let's get him in right now. All right, let's bring him in now. The host of the uh, Locked On Suns podcast, Brendan Clean, back on the show. Brendan, welcome back. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, happy to talk Suns and excited for this season. Now, with false starts, I started recording the show before and forgot to actually hit record. So we're going to ask the same questions again, Brendan, but people don't don't know that. But here we go. The question is, this Suns team, they were in the NBA finals last season, a surprise to many people. Um, and I think most Suns fans wouldn't have even said you were being realistic, I guess, at the start of the year to say that they would be you know, a couple of wins away from an NBA championship. So a huge surprise season. But you know, what's the expectation looking like for this team this year? Yeah, I mean, I think this season worked to set expectations for the 21-22 season. Um, The regular season area that they were in standings wise, I think that's where they're probably like, you know, wanting to shoot top three seed, top two seed, home court advantage. They should be able to to fight for that. And, you know, hopefully you see some better, even better chemistry, even better depth for this group than than we saw last year with obviously more of a real training camp and all the rest. So uh, yeah, that this season, I, I don't think finals have to be the, the baseline here, but I do think that in the regular season, they're, they're going to be expected to be right where they were last year. Well, with all of these shows, we start off by looking at what the host thing, or the, the host of the local show thinks in terms of projected starting five. I don't think there's really any controversy about what the Suns starting five is going to be, but what, what, what do you project it to be opening night? Yeah, we got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Ayton. That's the group that every basketball fan who watched this team last year will remember. Uh, not much to debate about there. I do think I would just note Cam Johnson is a candidate. He had such a great conference finals and finals last season. He's getting better every year. It, hopefully going to have a more healthy season. We did see at times that he got the nod over Crowder last year, even when both were active. So I would kind of have a, a slight eye there, but, but this group is going to be the one we see on opening night. Do you think Monty Williams is now convinced that you need – you know, that smaller ball shooting power forward rather than the uh, the dual center Frank Kaminsky, DeAndre Ayton pairing we saw you know, crazily at times last season. He, he did eventually, which yeah, it was a stupid idea at the time. It looked dumb when it happened on the court and then he went away from that. Do you think he's learned that lesson? I think so. I think uh, for a couple reasons. One, you can tell by the fact that they have JaVale McGee as their backup center. He's not a guy who you're going to put on the floor with DeAndre Ayton. So the way they built this roster indicates that to me. And then secondly, I just think you have to. um, They had obviously like every team, COVID problems, injury problems last year that 
forced the initial switch over to Frank, and then Monty was just way too late getting away from it. So assuming that they've learned those lessons and, and go into this season with some more um, stability. Crowder missed training camp last year. There were just a bunch of reasons that Monty tried to play it safe that way. I don't think we'll see that this year. In terms of the bench group, there's not, again, not not a lot to really... Um to debate, I don't think with this this bench grouping, it is pretty pretty straightforward. So, who do you think is the main your five guys coming off the bench here? Yeah, you got Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson. Those are the two holdovers. We saw Landry Shamit get added uh, in the draft night trade. Abdul Nader will take a little bit of a step forward in the rotation after Tory Craig uh, left for the Pacers for a really high priced deal, and now, uh, of course, Javale McGee, who I just mentioned, will be this team's backup center, which. Seems small, but was a major, major hole last year for the squad. So uh, I think a little bit more stability and experience in the second unit could really help them. So Shama comes across for Javon Carter. Um, obviously a really big you know, difference in terms of the player they are in terms of a, a defense for offense sort of switch. Was that like a, a factor, do you think, or was that Monty's idea or James Jones's idea that that second unit didn't have enough um, shooting punch or spacing punch um, with Javon out there? Yeah, I think... Javon was getting along in his career and was already older coming out of college. And it was just pretty clear what the limitations were for him as a player. You saw, you know, he's really going to only be able to defend one position, those small point guards. And then as an offensive player, really just a ball stopper, somebody who, unless he's going to shoot a spot up three, doesn't really have much to offer. So you could say, you know, the second unit is going to have a little bit more punch. I, I think of it more so as, Come playoff time, who's more likely to actually be able to survive in a you know must-win game? And I think that's where Shamit comes in. And uh, hopefully some untapped potential there as well as a passer and playmaker that we did see as really a point guard in college and hasn't really had that impact in the NBA. So I'm intrigued by the deal. I think he's a much more sort of modern player that could actually get out there. But uh, obviously we'll see how he fits. He hasn't really gotten playing time you know consistently anywhere he's been. Are we going to see number 10 overall pick Jalen Smith get any sort of regular rotation minutes? I think, you know, maybe early in the season. That's one of the main things to watch for this group in preseason is whether he earns that spot because you could see Nader is not the most, you know, trustworthy, consistent guy. He's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with, uh, you know, not really developing much as a scorer, um, you know, just sort of a replaceable wing. If they want to slide Cam Johnson up a position and Jalen Smith really seizes that, big man spot, you know, out of the, the the bench, then I could see it happening. James Jones has said that he will get that opportunity. They featured him very prominently in Summer League. We are hearing trade rumors at the same time about him. So his, uh, his situation within the organization is a little bit shaky. But I think if he's here on opening night, we could see him out there. The trade rumors around Jalen Smith, is that a Thad Young deal that we're hearing? Yes, uh, we've heard Thad Young, um, you know, at different points, there were maybe higher targets that the Suns might have been able to shoot for. But now that the dust has basically settled from free agency, he seems to be fat. I mean, the most likely player. They do have an extra roster spot as well. So this is a team that that does have some of that flexibility. They have a fr- uh, little bit of money from their mid-level exception. So it doesn't look like they expect this roster to be the one that they have going into next year's postseason. And that can obviously go in a lot of different directions, including almost every scenario is going to have to include Jalen Smith. Well, if you or anyone you know suffers from excessive sweating, there is a product now that can be out there and help you because that is an embarrassing issue. Sweatblock is the product that you need. It is doctor created and doctor recommended and it works for up to seven days per use. 
Also, they've got the dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. No one wants to be in a situation, a social work, whatever it is, school situation, you've got big, massive you know, pit stains from excessive sweating. Put sweat block on, the, the wipes, before you go to bed, wipe it under your arms, wake up next morning, have a shower, go off to school, work, whatever you need to do, and you'll be covered for up to seven days. It doesn't get any better than that. These products have been around for over 10 years, and you can find them at Amazon. You can get them at CVS, but you can also get them for 20% off at sweatblock.com by using our promo code LOCK. On. So go to sweatblock.com and get those products that you need and use that promo code locked on and you will save 20%. Um, it's a common problem. People will see this issue of having not only excessive sweating, but having too many devices and too many logins and live sport in one spot and then your favorite shows in another area and then you borrow your login of your neighbor for something else and then you watch your highlights on your phone. It's just, it's a mess. There's just too much stuff going on. It's all a hassle and you need to be able to find a way to get all of that stuff together and a great way to do that is a new product called Direct, Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together in one place like never before. So you can watch your live sport, your movies and your shows all together. No more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. In terms of injuries on this team, Brendan Chris Paul had that wrist issue that he had surgery on. No lingering effects there. He's fine for training camp. Yeah, very under the radar surgery. As far as anyone is is aware, he is uh, more than okay. We have seen him at different points in the off season making appearances for his uh, you know business stuff and and whatever. And he has been wearing a brace, but I don't think anyone's expecting it to be a problem a month or two from now. And then of course Dario Saric has a torn ACL. We're not expecting him to play at all this season, Bryn. No, um, you know, the only thing that, that gives a little bit of hope that we might see Dario by the end of the year is they haven't applied for a disabled player exception, which is something you can only do when you're confident a player will miss the entirety of the season. ACLs can be so variable, but for all intents and purposes, he's just not a guy who you can really plan on doing much of anything this season. Let's get into some other questions now about the uh, the Suns. Um, we talked about this already, but yeah, Cam Johnson... Jay Crowder is getting up there in age. He is; Those guys don't do things too dissimilarly. Crowder is probably a better defender than Johnson is, but Johnson probably has more upside as a shooter. Is this the season heading into his third year that Johnson... You mentioned Crowder is going to be the start, and you said that Johnson can eat into that playing time, but is there a chance that we just see Cam Johnson establish himself 30, 32 minutes a night as that starter and Crowder is pushed into a, to a role? Do you think he's ready to take that next step, Cam, to become that guy? I think he's ready. Uh, and, you know, at most points last season when both players were fully healthy and the rotation was as stable as anyone's rotation was able to be last year, they were playing pretty even minutes, uh, you know, right around 30 each. I would say Crowder, I haven't looked at it, but I'm, I would imagine his his average minutes were a little bit higher just because Cam was in and out of the lineup and recovering and everything else for a couple of stretches. But, you know, we saw, we heard Monty Williams last offseason or last postseason, I mean, say that that Cam Johnson is a starter in this league and he wants him to play with that type of mentality and, and not be discouraged from the fact that they're just a deep team and don't necessarily have that spot for him. So you have that, you have the strides he made on both ends of the floor, I think, during the playoffs. And the fact that, that Jay Crowder is only on a three-year deal. This will be year two of that. So it's not as if that's a player that they're committed to long-term. 
We don't know what Cam Johnson's extension situation will be after this upcoming season either, of course, but he's obviously much more likely to be here for the next five, 10 years than, than Jay Crowder. So we could see that switch happen as soon as this season, for sure. In terms of extensions, this has brought this to mind. Any word on DeAndre Ayton or Bridges uh, getting their rookie, rookie scale contract extension happening? Absolutely nothing. Um, and of course, every day that goes by, it, it doesn't become any clearer, of course. So we saw that initial wave in the first week of free agency. We saw Robert Williams a little bit thereafter. You know, sometimes these things do come together during training camp, just when the two parties are, you know, able to literally see one another. But no, not no rumors, no reporting locally, nothing. We're we're still kind of in the in the dark on that. It's a little bit weird for the number one overall pick to not have that, uh, especially a guy that played such a pivotal role on a playoff team to not just be given. You know, he's your you know, five year max contract, which I think is probably what Aiton is. You're saying, well, this is what I am. I'm the number one overall pick, and I'm your starting center on NBA Finals team. I give me the five year max, and I'm guessing the Suns are pushing back on that. That's that's I think the logical thing to assume. You know, we didn't see John Collins, for instance, of course, he was not really thought to be, you know, uh, up for that and, and didn't get it. Robert Williams, of course, not either. It's just there's not a real precedent outside of Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns, players that aren't really perfect comparisons for Aiton to who have really gotten that contract. We've seen Gobert, Giannis, players like that get a little less, and that's where I think it'll probably land for Aiton. Otherwise, maybe they do just go into restricted free agency next offseason. So, you know, if you're trying to read the tea leaves, I do think there is a potential that that lingers and, and you know, that can be a question mark, a, a you know, a, an itch on teams that, that they don't want to be there. But, you know, until we see the contract, it's obviously, you know, it's not great. If they wanted to, to come together and, and get that done, they would have. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton because I think that, most people in terms of his individual production would have been a little bit disappointed with what happened during the regular season. He was quite passive at times. Um, you never really been able to sort of attack and we saw his scoring drop, his usage was low. He never got to the free throw line. He was just sort of out there, like, I don't know, just, just playing like a role player's role. And, and that's fine. It obviously made the team better, but his numbers took a step back. In the playoffs, it did change a little bit. He was a lot more aggressive and he looked more like that guy he'd been in his first couple of seasons. So, what do you think the difference was between the regular season and the playoffs for Aiton? And can we expect that reinvigorated playoff Aiton to, to show his face more, I guess, during the regular season versus that guy who was a little bit more sort of uh, detached from, from that aggression in the regular season? Yeah, you're right to say invigoration. I think that's exactly the, the way to put it. The energized Aiton that we saw during the postseason is familiar to Suns fans. He's a player that at various points for one reason or another, whether it's a big matchup, a must-win game, whatever it's been, um, that guy has has come out. It's just been, you know, two weeks at a time rather than, you know, full seasons at a time. And, you know, there is also the factor of we haven't seen this guy get on the court for a sustained period of time, partially because of his own mistakes, partially because of COVID, but he was suspended to start his second season. He had an injury at the end of his first season, then COVID happens, and then, you know, last year was really his first time to get out there for a prolonged period. And by the end of the year, he was obviously in full gear. But the question is, is that a player who can derive that, um, you know, energy and effort and, and care every single night? Does it matter to him in that way? Does he play hard and, and get rebounds and, and defend at the highest possible level? 
when he's not necessarily involved on the offensive end? Is he able to do that every night? So what we saw during the postseason was he was on the offensive glass. That's a lot of how the scoring picked up. Is that some, you know, we don't really see players play that hard on the offensive glass during the regular season. Are there other ways he can score? Is he going to become a better playmaker like we saw at times in college? I think there's just a lot of questions about his offense still, and we've really only seen him create for himself as a scorer in in stretches and, and very short ones. Brendan, do you know how to fix your own car? I am horrible at it. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's uh, just just bringing those those hosts in who have no idea how to fix their own car on the network. But for those who do, rockauto.com is the place that you need to go. You wouldn't bother going to a local chain auto parts store. There's no need. You need to go there, line up, talk to the guy behind the counter, get this line of intimidating questioning. And then for all of that trouble, they're going to charge you more money. Get that garbage out of here. You don't need to deal with any of that because you can go straight to rockauto.com on your phone, on your computer at home and find that vast selection of prices and parts available for whatever your car or truck is. So Rock Auto, they're an online business. They've been serving auto parts customers for the last 20 plus years and their price are always reliably low, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Rock Auto has everything you would need for your daily driver or your classic car. So go to rockauto.com, check out their great website and great selection of parts that are available for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, write Locked On so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Last question for you here, Brendan. Um, Mikhail Bridges. Really, really big fan of what he's able to do. Like, as an elite perimeter defender, um, I think he's a perennial all-NBA defense sort of player. Um, I think there is a lot more in his offensive game as well. I think he can do more passing. And we've seen that at stretches. I think maybe second year it was where we saw this bit where they would give him the ball more and he'd really thrive in that role. I think he's got more to do than just being like a low-usage catch-and-shoot player. But in this ecosystem of this team, it is pretty hard to, to do that. And we saw that struggle with Aiton last season. So is there any way to carve out that room for Bridges to expand that game offensively? Or is he still going to be, I guess, pigeonholed as that you stand in the corner and shoot threes and you just do everything defensively? Well, first, I wish you had an all-defense vote because we are still waiting for Mikhail <laughs> to actually get uh, that honor. But I didn't first team in my, uh, uh, in my ballot, which uh, is, is obviously not, yeah. not, uh, not real. But if they want to give me one, I'll, uh, I'll put him in there. He, he, he has very much earned it. Um, offensively, though, I think if you're looking for a way for that to happen, I think that's one of the good things about having a player like Cameron Payne as your secondary uh, you know, bench option at the guard spot is that he's not really a high-usage player necessarily. He's not somebody who absolutely needs to have the ball. He can give it up and space the floor, and he's a great three-point shooter sort of out of nowhere, of course, but, but he's proven that, I think, at this point. So... You could imagine lineups because of the presence of Cam Johnson and Landry Shamit, both who I think fit fairly well with that first unit. You could see potentially Monty Williams putting Mikael Bridges out there in the second unit and asking him to do a little bit more. I think you could see the same with Cameron Johnson, and I think those are going to be priorities, maybe even DeAndre Ayton as well, uh, because I think JaVale can, can slide in with the starters too. Um, because you're right, this is a team that has two offensive engines. They're a heavy pick-and-roll team. That hierarchy is not going to change here, you know, unless somebody forces the issue. And so I think Mikhail has the skill to do that. We've seen it at, at times. We've seen that mid-range shot come along. The Really, the next step is, is finishing because his usage did bump up from about 12 to about 16 or so, if I'm remembering right. And 
Uh, that's a that's a step forward, but it's still not anywhere near what you would like a a legitimate scoring option to be. And that's a lot because he doesn't attack the rim, so he doesn't get to the free throw line, doesn't get those easy layups. And I think it's just a strength thing, and and it's a big question as to whether he's going to get comfortable without having that overpowering ability that you know a Kawhi Leonard or Paul George might have. I said as a last question, but a lot I'm going to ask you a sneaky little final one in here, and it is about Devin Booker, who fantasy people will be well aware suffered a big step back in his overall production, mainly because he wasn't able to average the six-plus assists that he'd been in previous seasons, and that really decreased this year. Do you think that we're just going to get a repeat of that sort of offense from the Suns this year where it is very, very Chris Paul set up heavy, or are we going to see a little bit more of Booker with that ball in his hands, or do you think it's just like this didn't, this this worked great. Like we got to the the finals, so we'll just roll that same thing back out again. It's an important question for so many reasons. I mean, it's an important question for you know Devin Booker's All Star candidacy for Chris Paul's um, health. You know, is he going to play as many minutes as we saw and yeah. take on the same type of load? Does he need to do that? It it is such a ripple effect. I, I do tend to lean toward it. It might um, flip, not not quite flip, but it might trend a little bit more toward Booker this year than it did last year because i think the easy thing to do last season was we're adding this huge you know gravitational force at point guard he's a great hall of fame level player let's just put things in his control but i also think the other reason it's important long term is chris paul's not going to be here forever so if you want devin booker to become more of a fulcrum for you and an engine onto your offense more so uh going forward this season and beyond and, and when chris paul's gone you, you can't necessarily have him playing such a small playmaking role for your team. So I think there will be more of a give and take. It, it might not be quite what it was when Ricky Rubio was here, but I do think that that is in the long-term interest of the franchise to have that balance work a little bit better. So I would think that Book would probably score and assist a little bit more this season. I don't want to give people uh, you know too much info before we've seen anything play out, but that's just my hunch based on all of those ramifications that are sort of hanging in the balance. Yeah, I tend to think that'll be the case as well, that you'll just see a little bit more of that. And you also can't rely upon your 71 games of Chris Paul or for him to miss one game or two games, whatever he was. Yeah, You're not expecting an 80-game season there. So there will be those... I, I would think he's been healthy for two years straight, Chris Paul, that you know, players, regardless of if they're 36 or not, just don't you know, miss you know, two games over two years very often. So at some point, there is going to be something that does have to go on there with him and uh, that will force the ball a little bit more into Booker's hands across those games. Brendan, any Suns news that goes down, you're going to have it covered for us all over on the Locked On Suns podcast. Thank you for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Thanks, Josh. Anytime. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit a thumbs up, leave a comment down below, hit the notification bell as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Say ya. Uh...